Hello and welcome to the Blue Pea Leader podcast. And I'm your host and the founder of Blue Pea Pod, Ruth Sanderson. If you want to become a leader of an organization where people feel alive and fully contribute, one that really understands who you are, lets you contribute your talents, live your purpose and make a difference. Listen in now as we share the latest practical ideas and techniques to experience authentic success through leadership. Hi, it's Ruth Sanderson from Blue Peapod. And in this episode, I want to talk about how can you build a resilient culture? Resilience, being a resilient leader, they're all um, conversations that are happening more and more now. And as a leader, it's very important that you look at the culture within your team or department or company to see does it support resilience or not. Now, generally speaking, a culture that doesn't encourage the building of resilience has the following Uh, messages that get communicated. You're on your own. Don't make mistakes. Never get it wrong. Asking for help is a sign of weakness. Whatever it takes, you just got to keep pushing through. Change is good. Oh, and by the way, here's more change and more change and more change. Oh, and when you've got over that, there'll be some more on its way. And whatever you do, do not say anything that might be misinterpreted by another as offensive. So if you want to build a culture that encourages resilience, I'm going to share with you three strategies that you can explore. The first one is around working with um, our natural human nature. It's about creating a sense of belonging and tribe. It's been shown that individuals who feel like they belong in a group have a stronger sense of self-esteem. If the group behaves like it's a safe environment within which to speak, then individuals are more inclined to feel that level of trust and then more inclined to share their ideas or thoughts or concerns earlier. So ask yourself within the team that you are leading, what is something long-term and meaningful that the individuals can belong to? What are the shared beliefs the group has? What are the benefits of working together, supporting each other, rather than competing with each other? What can the group do consistently that delivers business results and success in a way that supports and encourages everybody involved? And what does the group wish to be known for? Five questions. You probably think you know the answer. And I would suggest that when you've written down what you think the answers are to those five, you then go out and sense check. I'm not saying go out and look for evidence that supports. I'm saying go out and sense check how accurate your answers are. The second one I call make space and you'll get pace. If you notice athletes, let's take runners, they don't run all the time. It's not sprint after sprint after sprint or marathon after marathon. There is a change of pace and there is scheduled downtime. Now we live in an always on society. 
phone, email, ping, swish, beep, or whatever other sound effect you've got. And if we're not careful, we respond like Pavlovian dogs, even in meetings or trainings or one-to-ones. There's still those little pings, swishes, beeps, and we shift our focus and attention to look at what's just happened without necessarily asking ourselves, is this moment the best moment to do so? Now, I'm going to leave the subject of focus and multitasking to another podcast. But what has been proved regarding human efficiency and effectiveness is we work more productively on long time tasks, as in long duration tasks, if we have contrast. Now, this contrast could be that we have a different speed with which we do things, or we're taking a short subject matter vacation. So I notice that I'm infinitely more productive, especially when the pressure is on, if I make space to hit pause and do something I find rejuvenating. It could be something as simple and really quick as a few deep breaths. It could be a five minute walk outside. Sometimes it literally is just getting out of the building and staring at the sky is all it takes for me to clear my head. Now, if I have a really knotty problem, I take it for the long walk. It's just something that seems to work for me. But I have even done this with my clients. So some of them, when I'm coaching them, (laughs) we do have the opportunity to go out for a long walk. So we take their problem for a walk. Um, And somewhere in this change of environment, pace, air, I don't know, something does the trick. Now, I also do this deliberately on a, a, a particular training program I run. And I have to say, I've experimented with doing this and not doing this. And if I skip this bit, the results are never the same and they're never as powerful. So you may be thinking, oh, sheesh, Ruth, these ideas, they don't seem very businesslike. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I do get that leaving the building isn't going to work in all situations. But think about it. Within your line of work, what can you support that does allow for some change of pace that gives you or gives the team members time to pause? Pauses actually rejuvenate. They allow for reflection, for inspiration to land, for stress and toxins to dissipate. Now, it is a pause. It isn't, oh, I'm just going to have a, uh, I'm thinking about something and I'm thinking about it in this room and I'm going to walk to another room and continue thinking about it. The pause is that we do something else. Have you ever had the experience whereby you've lost your car keys, you can't find your car keys, you've been all around the house, you still can't find your car keys. And so you think, okay, well, I just go off and do something else. And you go off and as you do the something else, all of a sudden your brain goes, aha, that's where you left your car keys. And very often when we're working on long time tasks, that contrast, that break to go and do something else does help us be more productive. So never underestimate the power of the pause. So lastly, my third thing that you can do that helps increase resilience is looking at relationships and having or encouraging real conversation. So if we don't trust 
or know the people we're in conversation with, we are more likely to misinterpret what's said and not say what we mean, i.e. we withhold information or we tone it down so much it says absolutely nothing. If somebody doesn't trust you and you ask for their ideas, their thoughts, their opinions, what do you think you're going to get? Yeah. So building trust, increasing it, maintaining it even, requires real conversations rather than surface ones. We build these conversations up one at a time and get to know a person much better. And at the beginning of this podcast, I said that you know, not saying anything that could be misinterpreted by others as offensive Now, when I said that, what did you think? So there's racism, there's sexism, and there's many other isms that are offensive as well as very tiny-minded and should not be tolerated. However, taking offence where none was intended does impact a person's resilience. In the end, they become overly sensitive and hard to converse with. I recently heard in a company that the telling of any joke, any joke whatsoever, or the use of humour should be stopped as not only might the person you say it to be offended, but someone overhearing it may also find it offensive. Here's another example. My accent. It's a Yorkshire accent. Now, sometimes people tease me about how I say words. Experience means that I can generally tell whether somebody is teasing me from a point of affection or building connection, and those people who are just plain being rude. If I'm not sure, I'll have a conversation with the person to clarify, and if it's rude, they get feedback. As a leader, be aware of your position, as people may not always let you know how they took it. And yes, feedback helps us learn how something was received and where collectively or situationally something is appropriate or not. We learn what is said with the intention of malice, offence or small-mindedness through experience. No one should have to accept or tolerate malice. That's not healthy resilience. Somebody being plain rude is somebody being plain rude. However, when it wasn't meant that way, but we are hurt, then through having a conversation and allowing for reflection, we offer the opportunity to all parties to grow in awareness and resilience. I have to say I am witnessing the increase in conversations between middle-tier leaders who are saying it's best to stay bland. They have zero intention of saying anything with malice, but just in case, better play safe than offer up an opinion. They're also saying there's an increase in the lack of trust. And if we stay on the surface, we don't get real conversations. Of course, we don't run the risk of being misunderstood because we don't really connect. But we're also role modelling a lack of resilience because it is a lack of resilience that says I'll shy away from all of this. And if you'd like even more ways to become a resilient leader, then download our free report. Go to bluepeapod.com forward slash resilient hyphen leader. Until next time. <laughs>